Hello, this is Saki. Welcome to Cricket with an Accent. And today, adding to the accents is Daniel Gallen from UK, who primarily covers the pulse of South African cricket as a freelance uh, writer. So, Daniel, thanks for doing this. I know it was kind of a tough time for both of us due to the time zones to get this going. I really appreciate you joining the show. No, not a problem. Thanks for having me. So before we get started into the South African World Cup selection and, you know, the certain omission and a certain big name that's not going to be there, uh, tell us, uh, tell the audience here, whoever listened to the show, what you've been doing and how long you've been associated with coverage of cricket. Yeah, sure. So I'm a freelance cricket writer. I, I contribute for Crick Buzz, uh, Cricket Monthly, uh, ESPN Cricket Monthly, Wisden Magazine, a couple of publications back in South Africa. Uh, I've been involved for about five years, I would say, for five years, primarily as a freelancer. Um, and yeah, I've uh, followed South African cricket for, for a long time, been a fan my whole life. And I've moved over to the UK in September and now I'm based here in London. Hey, so do you, uh, have you been following the local English cricket, the county scene? What's, what's going on there right now before we... Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I've I'm, I'm I'm just been accredited with the ECB, so I get to I get to go to all the games. Um, a lot of South Africans to uh, to to follow here and 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 chat to and interview and, and get their thoughts on the on the domestic scene here. It's it's another level to to the following back in South Africa. I mean, in South Africa we have six franchises that um, occupy most of the. Of, of the cricket public when it is an international season. But yeah, the, the 18 counties just get an absolutely fanatic following. It's astounding to see so many people supporting the domestic game. And obviously with with a lot of cold plaques, Duan Olofia in Yorkshire, Simon Harmer out at Essex. Um, yeah, lots lots of narratives to weave. But the, the thing that has struck me the most is just how, how devoted the English public are to cricket and, and especially domestic cricket. I mean, the four-day stuff, I was watching... I think it was Essex play Surrey at the Oval in day one, and there were thousands of people, and you, and you just don't get that for four-day cricket in South Africa. So, yeah, certainly a step up, and uh, yeah, as, I mean, as a cricket fan, just just really happy to be here. Yeah, uh, right. So, so, so the squad. I mean, uh, this is a standard question I've asked all my guests. Uh, you've been following the South African cricket uh, pretty closely. I'm sure you had penciled some names before it was announced. Is it exactly what you had in mind, or are there certain surprises, both good way and bad ways? You know, not not really. Actually, there was there was some doubt about Hashimamla. I I I kind of had him as a as a maybe, and I had Reza Hendricks as a maybe. So I think Reza Hendricks is is probably the only player who was unlucky to to miss out in terms of the bowling. Enric Nordka uh, squeezed in. He may be seen as a luxury, but with Dale Stain carrying an injury who who might not even make the World Cup, um, th- that remains to be seen. Nordko was probably seen as the as, as the luxury pick in case Dale Stain breaks down mid tournament. But apart from those names, no, it's it's a pretty it's it's a pretty standard squad. I think it's the squad that most people were expecting. It's it's kind of it's a bit of a catch twenty two as a journalist in the lead up to a World Cup because Sometimes you want a bit of a, a bit of controversy. Sometimes you want a bit of debate around the squad, so you know because that, that adds to to column inches. But with this team, it pretty much picked itself. So I think the speculation was for speculation's sake, and I, I'm I'm pretty happy with the squad. Okay, so you mentioned Amla, and that, that was definitely one of uh, my talking points. Uh, a great batsman, you know, loved all over the world for his stylish play, but. Uh, I think it's no secret for the last three, four years, his form has just uh, taken a big nosedive and he's produced, you know, rare brilliance here and there. But his question uh, as, as, a, as a, you know, locked in selection was was there on the cards. Uh, so how well have you known the man? Because are you surprised that he's still taking a go at it? Because a lot of times, uh, I mean, I'm from India, uh, so a lot of times we always marvel at the ability of, you know, some South Africans, some Australians, that they just walk away from the game when they could still be going at it. Some South Africans have done mm. in the past. So mm. are you surprised that he's still up for the fight because uh, it really hasn't gone his way? And uh, and have you spoken to him in recent times or have you captured some quotes that he's still motivated to do this? Um, well, I haven't spoken to him recently because I've, I've been here. I, I was I was in England during the last couple of series. But no, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I don't know him very well, but on, every, every time I've heard him speak, he's a, 
he's a really focused, determined character, and he certainly wants to prove others wrong. He, he doesn't say that explicitly, but I think after he stepped away from the captaincy, which surprised some people, I think he was he was portrayed as someone who who isn't your typical hard bitten South African, you know, the, the likes of Graham Smith, the likes of Fatu Fasi, these these determined, gritty leaders. And I think I think Hashim is out to prove some people wrong, but also he, he just lives for cricket. He just he he feels that he still has a lot to offer in the, the game. I, I've got a feeling that he will retire after the World Cup, but no, no, I'm not surprised that, that he is still going. Uh, you are correct that his that his form has dived, though he has. He has got 100 in his last five ODIs. Um, he got 108 against Pakistan in January. 108 not out, that is. So you you are right. His, his form has taken a bit of a dive. I mean, he's a player who who relies on, on very quick hands and not really necessarily gets into the pitch of the ball. So as we know, players like that, as they get older, they, they can be found wanting a touch. But... No, I, I have I have full faith in Hashim Amla. As you say, he's he's an absolutely class player, and no, he, I'm just, he, I'm just, he is definitely. I'm just he has a great World Cup. So, someone who follows it so closely, if uh, you know who who are some of the names, or maybe a name that uh, you know the selectors would come contemplating with Amla because his experience cannot be replaced in this kind of a tournament. So, who missed out if he got in, or was he always a lock in, uh, in, in you know from the selection point of view with the talent that well, uh, is available. Yeah, I th- well, the, I think between Aidan Markram, Hashim Amla, and Reza Hendricks, two of those players were going to be selected. So we, we weren't quite sure who who was going to miss out. I think I, I, th- I think Hashim Amla gets in, as you say, because of his experience, but also because of what he adds to the team. There's there's not a single player in the Proteus dressing room that I've spoken to that hasn't directly referenced Hashim Amla's influence behind the scenes of what, of what, of what a calming influence he has. His seniority, the way he practices, the, the example he sets in training. So I think for his off-field impact, as much as, it, as his on-field impact, I think Hashim Amla got the nod. With Aiden Markram, Aiden hasn't necessarily replicated his uh, his Test form, where he had he had a, a breakthrough a breakthrough season with that 150 against Australia at the Wanderers. Um, he hasn't translated that into the one-day stuff, but his ability to bat anywhere in the top five as well as offer a little bit of spin, which is, is actually quite an underrated part-time spinner. I think that got him the nod, and Reza Hendricks just hit uh, hit a dip in form at, at just the wrong time. If, if the World Cup was a year earlier, I think Hashim Amla may have missed out in, in favour of Reza Hendricks. But like I said, Reza just yeah, lost form at the, at the wrong time. So uh, let, let me uh, walk through this from the Indian fans' you know, viewpoint, because Mahendra Singh Dhoni polarised... Uh, the Indian fans for the last year and a half because he was playing very limited cricket and was taking time mm-hmm. off. And uh, a lot of times he was, uh, you know, he's uh, you could say he's removed from his best, but he's still very productive. And everyone had an opinion. And uh, and his selection was really up for grabs. But now in the last few months, he's played some good knocks. And of course, IPL, he, he's a legend. Uh, but do you think uh, what Kohli said, that uh, Dhoni is also very valued, like, uh, you know, he's... He's like another voice there who helps a captain in you know strategy on field. You think Amla is seen as that kind of a figure as well because uh, in a fifty-over game is a different game, and he's someone who was leading the team uh, not too long ago. Maybe, mm. maybe that impacts no, ab- the selection. Absolutely, no, no doubt. And the World Cup is a long, long tournament, and and you know when we're between South Africa's game between India and and the and the game against West Indies, there's seven days gap between those two games. So. One of the younger players say have, has a has a difficult knock in that first game, or 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 is struggling with something in training. Hashim Amla is the kind of guy who, in the hotel room, of at the at the dinner table, will just put an arm around that young player's shoulder and reassure them of their talent, tell them that 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 they belong, give them a sense of identity. He's he's definitely a a, a culture a, a cultural source of cohesion. He 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 gels the team together. He he acts as a, as a leader. And as you say, on the field, Fatupasi just has to look at first slip and know that he's got a guy who's played hundreds of games at the highest level, who's, who's, who's faced all comers, played in all conditions, has seen and done it all. So absolutely, his, his ability with the bat might, might be in doubt, but his, but his cricket mind is, is just as sharp as ever. Okay, so I think we did some due diligence for any Amla fan who's going to listen. We, you know, uh, you know, not we, uh, Daniel definitely took a deep dive 
into the situation surrounding the classy Hashim Amla. So uh, let's talk about uh, the possible uh, lineup playing 11 for uh, mm. Team South Africa. Uh, so what's the top order going to look like? Uh, of course, they're barring any injuries from, from the list that has been released. Who's going to be playing as batsmen? So, so I've, I've actually written down my ideal, my ideal 11. Um, I, I don't have Hashim Amla in my 11. Um, Oops. So I'm, I'm, yeah, so I, but I, I, as, as I said, I think his off-field, his off-field presence is, is a great value. So my 11 is Aiden Markham and Quinton de Kock opening the batting. I think Aiden Markham is just too good not to play. Also, he, he offers a bit of off-spin. I, I think we've, I think this could be a breakthrough tournament for Aiden Markram. Where people finally realise that he he is, I I wrote a big cricket monthly piece on Aiden once uh, I think it was last year and I said that he is the heir to to Kohli's throne. I think outside of Joe Root, Steve Smith, Virat Kohli and Kane Williamson, I think Aiden Markram is the is the world's best player potentially at least. Uh, I got Quentin Nkaka opening the batting, uh, just a destructive, just a destructive wicketkeeper batsman. I, I think he's uh, probably South Africa's best batsman and probably most important batsman in the lineup. I got Rusty Funder Distant batting at three, Buff Duplessis at four, JP Dumini at five, David Miller at six, Adile Pechlaquai at seven. Big fan of Adile Pechlaquai. He uh, he bowls a heavy ball, as they, as they say, and is the one guy with with some big match temperaments. And in South Africa, you know that that is hard to come by, as we know about our our history in the tournament. We've we've lacked a bit of composure in in stressful moments, and I think Adile definitely brings that. Eight, I, I was a bit unsure. I went with the all-rounder Dwayne Pretorius, but I that would have to depend on who we were playing because if Dwayne Pretorius plays, he has to bowl first change, and I don't think he's necessarily that sort of bowler. Kakis Rabada picks himself. Imran Tahir as, as the spinner. And then I was a bit unsure about, about the the last bowling option. I had Dale Stain or Lungi Ngidi. My gut says Dale Stain for his experience and, and, and he is bowling well as you all know following the IPL he's uh, returning to form though his injury is untimely but I am a big fan of Lungi Ngidi he's tall he's aggressive he hits the deck really hard and you just you, there's just no substitute for raw pace and so so my pick would be Ngidi there's the, uh, to open the bowling with Kakisa Rabada no, that's. I think that's that makes a lot of sense in the fast bowling, uh, especially in Engidi, where you mentioned, and uh, we'll get back to it. But let's uh, uh, get your viewpoints a little more on Markham. I mean, that's a lofty uh, comparison you made, but I'm sure you have good reasons. And he's only <laughs> played 18 ODI. So what's so special for someone who really hasn't seen him bat that much? Why are you having uh, such high aspirations uh, about this uh, 24-year-old? His shot repertoire is is expansive. I think his ability to pick up length uh, it very quickly comes in handy. He just has a has a real knack, as as all the very good players do, of of finding the gaps in the field. You know, you you, you see you, you often see guys unfurl glorious cover drives and just routinely pick out the, the 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 man at cover, and you think that he's unlucky. But the the ability to find gaps in the field is is such a is is such a unique skill. And I mean, I certainly. It, it, whenever I've played, I've I've never been able to figure that out. And sometimes you think, man, this guy's cover drives just continuously finding the gap. You know, that that's luck. But I don't think so. I think his ability to manipulate the field. He he is also a calming presence for the man at the other side of the of the of the pitch. And he just he just has a sense that he belongs there. My only question with Aiden is that a run of bad form does get him down you know he's one of those guys who growing up things came came quite easy for him and though he's a he's a he's a, he's a very hard worker and, and, he, and he and he puts in the the hard yards he does have a knack of getting a, a bit inside himself when when things aren't going his way so that is my only concern but if he can free himself from that he he's just a glorious player to watch i mean when he scored that 152 against australia albeit in a test match he outbatted A.B. de Villiers. I mean, if, if you if, if you squinted your eyes, you you, you would have sworn that that it was Aiden Mar- that it was A.B. de Villiers um, playing playing all those glorious shots against against the Australian attack and not Aiden Markram. Yeah, that's that's quite yeah, I, that's quite lofty. Mm. So, is, is there any kind of bowling that can trouble uh, uh, you know the South African player? Uh, is he comfortable against spin? Is he comfortable against left arm pace? Is there anything that could be the undoing or any any matchup? In terms of like uh, opening bowlers across the competition that you fancy to watch. All right. Well, 
opening bonus, sure. The, the, the Australians and, and the New Zealanders, I think, are the are, are exciting attacks. I mean, I, I, I'm perhaps a bit biased. I think South Africa have potentially the best attack in the competition. But when it comes to facing spin, I, I, I don't, I don't have, I don't have high hopes. I mean, we saw how India came to South Africa and on tracks that were supposed to favour favor our guys the your your wrist spinners just completely ran through the side and and decimated them I, I think i think there is a vulnerability to spin which i think is technical but it is, is also mental i think if a, a, a spin attack especially like the one that that india has gets south africa say 50 for three i think panic in the dressing room could see that that side bowl out be bowled out for for 150, 120, even so, so yes, I think I think a vulnerability to spin, both both psychological and in terms of the technical abilities, is is a worry. Okay, and uh, you want to weigh in on Cock because uh, Quinton de Cock, uh, he's been playing the IPL and he's uh, supremely talented. Uh, how how key of a player is he uh, if South Africa is to make a run to you know the semi-finals and and beyond? He, he has to have a good tournament. If, if Quinton de Kock doesn't have a good tournament, I think South Africa would would do. I mean, I, I don't think South Africa will make the semi-finals. I think I think a fifth place finish is, is f- fifth place finish is probably the most likely for me. They they, they might sneak in at fourth. Um, but if Quinton de Kock has a poor tournament, fourth is out of the question. He he is probably the most important batsman to his side, maybe outside of 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 Virat Kohli to India. I think you look at England, you look at Australia. You look at the West Indies. Even the, these sides who are gunning for four semi-final spots have multiple players that that can share the load. I think Quinton, if Quinton isn't the highest run scorer for South Africa, I think they will struggle. Um, it, it's it's a challenge when 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 that sort of player and that sort of responsibility is on a player who opens the batting because, a, as we know, opening the batting you you get one ball from a from Stark or you get one ball from Trent Bolt that just moves through the air and takes the top of off stump. There's nothing you can do about that. But if Quinton does get going, his ability to pick up length, and we, I said that about Aiden Marker, but I don't think anyone picks up length quicker in this team than Quinton de Kock. He just bats from a strong base and just whips you up and over mid-wicket with, with, with consummate ease. But if he doesn't get going, we're in trouble. And uh, let's weigh in on, on, the, on the captain himself. He, this is expected to be his swan song uh, in the ODI mm-hmm. format. So what is his form coming in to this big tournament? I know he's played a couple of knocks in the IPL, but uh, in the ODI arena, how has been his game uh, coming into the World Cup? Well, as, as you say, his, his swan song, he's, uh, he's just, a, he's just a, a great leader. I, I'm just, I, I, I wrote a piece the other day, actually, that said that I think Faf Duplessis is probably the best captain South Africa has ever had, certainly in the post uh, post reunification period in 1992. He he just adds a calmness to the side. The way he talks, the way he the, the way he handles the press, the way he he's he's just got a, a quiet a quiet confidence that I think is so important in in tournaments. His his form has been relatively good. Some good starts. I mean, his last knocks have been 24, 43. 36, 57, 112, 50, not out, 57, 40. So these, so, so clearly he's 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 finding he, he's he's in some sort of form in ODI cricket. Although that was against Pakistan and Sri Lanka at home, he's he, he's the sort of player who you you look up and oh, Fafty Plessis on 30. You look up where well, and Fafty Plessis on 50. He just sort of climbs through his innings and 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 builds an innings. Without really too much flash, and this is quite a remarkable thing. For and me. and yeah, first... and then these these things come in handy because when we were discussing West Indies a few days ago, and both uh, our guests said same mm. thing: West Indies have a lot of players who can hit the ball at the park, but if the situation is a little tricky, they don't have enough of mm. the player who can build up an inning, say eat up balls from say like over number twelve and take the total, you know, uh, take the situation to over thirty-seven, and then they have. So many guys who can come in and just play T Twenty style. So, mm. so, are South Africa suited at that position? If uh, there's a couple of early loss of wickets, and is Duplessis the guy, and is there anyone else in the lineup who can who can absorb some pressure and just you know keep rotating and building the innings at that point? Absolutely, absolutely. JP Dumini. So, so Faf Duplessis and JP Dumini batting at four and five, or or five or six, or wherever they bat. But having those two guys in the middle order just really adds a, a calmness to the side. It's as you say, if, if they lose three early wickets and you've got those two walking in with a score on 
40 or 50, they can easily take it to past 100 and then rebuild the innings. I mean, those, those are the two guys that, that you really want. Just taking singles, realizing that, that, that they don't have to go full guns blazing. But yeah, that, that, that certainly gives me a lot of confidence knowing that you've got the likes of Faf Duplessis and JP Dumin in the middle orders. I mean, they've been playing cricket together for a long, long time at the, at the highest level. They've played around the world. Um, they, they, they faced all sorts of bowling. So, yeah, certainly. If, 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 they, if they lose early wickets, you've, you've got the experience there in the middle to see them through. And uh, just taking uh, one more question on Duplessis. You said he's probably one of the uh, best captains or maybe the best captain in terms of your opinion since uh, the unification. Uh, mm. Is he more suited to lead this side, which is, I think, fairly young and a lot of... Uh, inexperienced compared to other sides or do you think he would have been a good fit even leading the star shutter 11 that had the likes of Kallis and even ABD and uh, Morne Morkel so why you think certain uh, aspects of his captaincy uh, are so great so I just want to know is it would have been great even if he was leading a group full of experienced men uh, I mean that's, that's that's a tough question the I mean a captain is always shaped by his team and a, t- and a team always shapes uh, the, the captain, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of a, it, it works both ways that they, they, they in unison together. So it, it's hard to know what sort of captain he would have been if he was captaining Cullis and Sean Pollock. I mean, Graham Smith was a, was a titan of a man and a titan of a captain, but they were, they, they, they were, they were different leaders, you know, both, both very alpha male sorts of leader, but, but different in their way. I think Graham Smith was more in your face, was more imposing, was, was more a, a, a juggernaut. Whereas Fatou see, I think it's more, is quieter and calmer, though still has that that steely resolve that you, that, that South Africans look for in their captain. I mean, we like Australians. We we like to think of ourselves as alpha males when when we when we play our sports. And Faf Duplessis certainly embodies that, although maybe in, in a less overt way than 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 Smith did. I think why I would have Faf Duplessis ahead of Graham Smith in, in my captaincy. I just think he's a better tactician. I think one of the criticisms of Graham Smith was he was a bit too defensive, especially during test matches when the side was on the up. But perhaps that defensive mindset was was in vogue at the time. I think it was certainly the, the era of batsmen when when um, when Smith was was at his peak. I just think he he went to a a man at deep backward points too quickly, whereas Fafdupasi I think keeps catches in a little longer than, than Smith does. I just I just like. Faf Duplessis' demeanor, I think the way he speaks to the press, the way you, you can see he handles the players, he's certainly bought into the concept of protea fire. He, he's been a big driver of that, which is, which is United fans and the players. Yeah, I just, I just, I just, I, I like the cut of his jib, as it were. I, I like the way Faf Duplessis handles himself. No, that's, that's I think, a great insights because in this kind of a long tournament, uh, the captaincy is going to be huge, in my opinion, because, like mm. you said, they're like, uh, you know, scheduling gaps and then, uh, this you know there are games every team, especially you know the top team is expected to win, and there are games that are close that can be upset. So, uh, so you think uh, his style, uh, actually South African style, what's suited for this team in, in in you know decks in England, which have been fairly you know good for batting in the last few years. If you look at the scorecard, you think the mm. South African unit is better off chasing? Uh, of course, uh, you know we are not there yet, so conditions will play a little bit apart. But overall. If all things are neutral, these English decks, you think oh, this team is suited to set targets and bank on their bowling to defend any target? I think I think so. Yes, I think I think they'll be looking to to bat first. A lot of the, I mean, obviously, it'll depend on the wickets and who they're playing against, and you know, plans always get thrown out the window as the tournament progresses. But I think if they if they had to map it out, I, I'd imagine they would want to bat first, maybe because of the jitters that South Africa teams have had chasing scores to you know in, in these tournaments you look at Andelia Petroquire and, and David Miller these are two guys who can clear the boundary but whoever's going to be batting at eight isn't necessarily going to be a gun and I think most sides in the in the world will have will they're six seven and eight even so even if you're England even up to nine and ten will will have guys who can clear the boundaries at will that down the order so I think South Africa will rely on their batsmen, Aiden Markram and Quinton de Kock, to get them off to a big start, and then JP Dumini and and Fafdi proceed to consolidate and then unleash the big hitters towards the towards the end. But as you say, it's the bowling side. If South Africa, if South Africa are going to progress far in this tournament, it's going to be on the back of their bowlers. So perhaps they will back themselves to to defend the scores, but they'll need their batsmen to set them. 
Okay, so talking about bowling, uh, uh, how big mm-hmm. of a blow is uh, Dale Stain, you know, s- sustaining that uh, injury in, in the IPL? Uh, is he a concern? Uh, and how, how, how key is in, in, in he in your plans for, for this team to succeed? Um, it's similar, a similar situation to, to that of Hashim Amla. I mean, I think Dale is in better form than, than, than Amla is. However, I don't necessarily think his impact is solely on the field. I think he's certainly the leader of this attack. And without him, there's not much experience in the pace bowling. Obviously, we can talk about Imran here later. But when it comes to the pace attack, you've got Anrit Nordka, you've got Kahisa Rabada, who, who's far cementing himself as, as one of the best bowlers in the world, but he's still a relative youngster. And Lungi and Gidi, who is very green. So without Dale leading that pack on or off the field, I think they are light and experienced. I don't think his bowling is necessarily the biggest loss if, if he doesn't bowl. Um, I, I think he goes. For me, for me, Dale Stane is, is, a, is a player who you need. I think he, he's bowling well. You may have, I haven't watched too much of, of, of the IPL, but from what I've seen, he's been taking wickets and uh, a loss to RCB. Certainly when he came, it looked like RCB had finally got their bowling act together. But... I, I just I just don't think he's necessarily a huge loss because there are better bowlers at, at the minute. But off the field, he is certainly he is certainly a loss, and I, and I hope he recovers. Uh, let's move to Rabada. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a big fan, and again in my fantasy cricket league, he's 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 keeping me afloat, and he's mm-hmm. uh, he's really he's one of those bowlers who's who hasn't been hit that much, and uh, there's an aura around him, so. Now in yeah. the 50 ball cricket it's a different ball game there's uh, you know more room i think for even bowlers there longer spell like 10 overs so yeah. uh, where do you rank him in terms of like the world class bowler i know some people say he's the best strike bowler uh, arguably the best strike bowler in the current game in, in in the red ball cricket what is his aura according to you in terms of like sheer pace and uh, you know facing you know top bat- batsmen is he is he like top two for you or uh, what's your what's your you know there's a ranking this is a fan I want to know because I think the talk is between mm. him and Cummins. I mean I I I I put Kahisa about uh, next to anyone in the world at the minute I I think I think he's just an outstanding outstanding bowler. He watch you, you know there, there's certain bowlers who you watch running and bowl and you just think this 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 guy this this human body was made to bowl a cricket ball he is just so smooth he is. He, he it, it's a, it's an effortless he's he's so lithe he's he's kind of like the unfurling of a of a big roll of silk you know he's just kind of all liquid through the crease and then he unleashes these thunderbolts and you wonder like where did that come from how do, how does he generate so much pace with with such apparent effortlessness um I, i i think he is probably the best in the world with the red ball with the white ball i mean he's you know that that's up for debate but i think he is the uh, the top ranked the the top ranked fast bowler in the world in in ODI cricket I think I think it's a bunch of spinners oh I beg your pardon it's Jasper Brumra who's who who who's the top ranked with Trent Bolt I, I would I would put Kahisa Rabada next next to both of them I think he's I think he I think he's fantastic he he's uh, his ability to change his pace is, is something that that doesn't that that doesn't get spoken about enough people talk about him as a as a raw out and out tearaway but but he's a very clever bowler he bowls that slower bumper really well which is developed he's got two slow balls one off the back of the hand and sort of that off cutter um he hits yorkers at will no he's he, for me it's just a complete package okay, and uh let's move on to imran tahir i mean he's again a mm. guy who's been quite instrumental for for chennai he's bowled some you know good uh, good mini spells in the ipl taken wickets been hit but i guess that's part of the part and parcel of the game Uh, and wrist yeah. spinners are going to be huge in this world cup that's all the analysts who have come from bharat ramraj to sanket singh well everybody has said uh, teams with have uh, good wrist spinners are going to be leading contenders so south africa is mm-hmm. just sitting below the top contenders according to you and how key is this guy's role to you know to cause an upset and you know maybe crash the party of the top 4 well I, I, as important as quinton de kock is with the bats i think imran sahir is with the ball for south africa if he if he If South Africa have any aspirations of, of qualifying for the semi-finals, Imran Tahir has to be leading the attack. He needs to be taking three, four wickets a game, and it's a lot to ask of him, or, or at least be keeping it tight to allow the fast bowlers to be taking wickets. No, he's a uh, he, he's, he's a superstar. He, he's in, in his forties. He's announced that that this will be his last his last foray as as an international cricketer. I'm just a big fan of Imran Tahir. You, you know, it's in in this modern world of, of elite athletes who 
who go from hotel to training facility to airplane to match, you know, with the odds with the odd sponsors event thrown in the mix, they can become a bit sterile and a bit numb to the world. I, I think Imran Tahir is just a guy. You, you just he's just always got a smile on his face. He just he just loves being a, a cricketer. I, I think he would he 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 would he celebrates wickets whether he's playing in in a, in a charity match or or in a World Cup final. He just absolutely loves taking wickets and. Yeah, as you say, he can be expensive, but his ability to bowl that googly through the gate is something that is that is so valuable in 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 white ball cricket, and his ability to to outfox batsmen. Ten overs, um, he's got more time to do so. I think he is probably a better T20 cricketer, although he is ranked fourth in the ODI rankings at the moment. Longer spells, Imran here can be a bit a bit impatient. I think he he sometimes goes searching for that wicket ball a bit too regularly, and he doesn't stick with the stock ball, which is probably why he he struggled to cement himself as a Test cricketer. But no, as you say, he he is he is crucially important to the South African attack, as all wrist spinners are to to their attacks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so there's another topic, subtopic that came when we were talking about uh, fielding and Imran Tahir and Chris Gale, some names popped up in the last podcast. Mm. And uh, one of the guests had a view that uh, if someone is really good at one discipline, basically the point was fielding is a little overrated, according to Sanket, who has been a perennial uh, analyst on, on the podcast. What's your take? I mean, is Imran Tahir, I mean, given, you know, he's such a catalyst for Rispin, is he someone... South Africa is okay, you know, you can hide him on the field. Is And what's your view on fielding? Because uh, in the 90s, when, you know, white ball cricket really came into uh, the World Cup, uh, John T. Rhodes and some of the South African sides were seen as a standard, but now the game has changed. Batting lineups are mm. deep. So my question is kind of uh, just taking a view. Is wh- what's, what's your view of fielding in, in the grand scheme of things in ODI? And can you hide a player? And are you okay with a player who's hidden but has... One skill like a Chris Gale can hit ball out of the park, or Tahir who can take wickets. I know it's kind of a broad question, but uh, just focus on fielding mm. and certain limitations. Well, I mean, the, the old adage catches catches when matches. I think that, that's that's been true since uh, since cricket was invented. I mean, the fielding is crucially important, as you say. In the '90s, South Africa didn't we we didn't necessarily have the best team as as we were re-entering international cricket, but we always thought we always backed ourselves to be the best fielding side. It's not. It wasn't just John T. Rhodes. Herschel Gibbs was it was a fantastic fielder. Um, and you look around this side, and, and it's full of great fielders. David Miller is an athlete. Adile Pekrakwayo has got has got uh, safe as houses hands. Fatou Plessis, Aidan Markram, J.P. Dumini. These are all very good fielders. But there are some who are liabilities. Hashim Amla, Imran Tahir aren't very mobile around the field. So Bryce Shamsi, the same applies with him. Um, I think you can hide a player. As long as you're not hiding too many players, and I think it's probably it's probably harder to hide players now with with batsmen, you know, playing all sorts of shots, ramping it to third man, paddle sweeping to fine leg. So in the old days, you could just stick a guy at, at short at short fine leg in the in the death overs and 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 trust that that the ball wasn't going to go to him too much. But now with with players playing all around the ground, I mean, not, it's not just A.B. de Villiers who's Mr. 360 degrees. All, all modern batsmen are. So it's probably harder to hide him, but I know Imran has has worked very hard on his fielding. When he when he first came on, he was he, he was atrocious. I mean, if you think he's a he struggles to get around the park now, you, you should have seen him what he was when he first came on. He dropped catches, could barely could barely throw the ball from the boundary. He still has a, has a has sort of a weird throwing action, as if he he was never really taught properly how to throw. Though he he does get it in at least to the keeper's gloves. Um, yeah, liability in the field, but. But I mean, he he does. He for me, he plays. I mean, it's an absolute no-brainer. He's uh, he, he's he's not playing for his fielding abilities. That's for sure. Yeah, and certainly they won't lose a match because of someone's fielding ability. That's that's the other way of looking at that question. Because if someone is well, good with one well, discipline, go ahead. Mm. No, what well, well, we, what well, we did actually in the, in the last in the last World Cup, that semi-final against New Zealand, we dropped four catches. You know, I think Ron Elliott was 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 who who hit the winning runs, who famously hit Dale Stane for a six to win the match. I think he was dropped at least twice. So, so it, it can make a difference, but you know, the, the, that that is the na- that's the nature of the beast, right? You can't you you can't account for a drop catch. You you can't you can't not pick a player because you think that he he might drop a catch. The only the only hope you can have is that all the training and all all, all the practice that you do in the lead up to the game pays off on the field. But 
it, it is it is a possibility. I mean, if, if Imran Tahir isn't the best fielder, he he may drop Viracoli in a World Cup semi-final, who then goes on to make 100. You never know. But but I mean, it can happen to anyone. Herschel Gibbs dropped Steve uh, Steve War in in the 1999 uh, Super Six stage, where where he was rumored to have said, "You've just dropped the World Cup," which he didn't. Um, th- that that's always been a myth. But you know, even the best fielders can make mistakes. That that, that is just the nature of cricket. Yeah, I think some sometimes these quotations, you know, become larger than you know the actual impact. But yeah, so you are right. Mm. So and talking about that semi-final, uh, uh, infamous from South Africa's point of view uh, against New Zealand last time around, the drop catches. Uh, as, as as a mm. you know cricket fan and a journalist, do you believe the choking and the curse that's been associated with South African team? And part B of the question is this team is not seen as one of the favorites because the last few World Cup South Africa, even from two thousand three when they were hosting have been one of the premier sides. So you think, uh, as a part two of the question, is it okay for Duplessis' side to come in and be more relaxed because the expectation barometer is not too high, as has been the last few editions of the championship? Um, okay, well, uh, to, to your first question, do I think choking exists? I I mean, it's it's it's, it's the perennial debate, and I, and, I, and I flip between thinking it does and thinking it doesn't. You're asking me right now. I, I I I think choking exists if you believe it exists. I think I think it's one of those self-serving ideologies that that if you walk out to a game and you feel like and you and you're thinking about choking, I think it's the I I, th- I think you feed the monster and it becomes real because you because you 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 give it attention. I think if you don't believe it exists, then it doesn't. I, I, I that that World Cup semi-final in 2015, I don't think we choked. I think I think Ron Innit just just played an absolute storm, man. I, I I don't think our bowlers bowled particularly well. And obviously, as you say, dropping dropping those catches didn't help. I mean, it's 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 so hard it's so hard to to look back in history and say, oh well, that's a choke, that's a choke, that's a choke. I think I think sports by its nature is just filled with these little moments where where some people come out on top and some people don't. I mean, getting back to 1999, the most famous of quote unquote chokes. Australia almost choked it. You know, Paul Rifle dropped a dropped an absolute sitter where he palmed it for six, uh, where Lance Klusner had just hit Glenn McGrath. I mean, if 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 Australia lost that match, we would have said that they choked. Um, Darren Lehman in, in the ball before the run out missed an absolute sitter where he could have run out Alan Donald from meters away, where it was probably easier to to hit the stumps than miss it. That could have been a choke, you know. So it it just kind of comes down to luck, and and if, if you, we can look back in history with 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 twenty twenty vision and say, oh, that is a choke, that is a choke, that is a choke. But I I, I don't know. I mean, do you think it exists? What, what, what's your take from the outsider's uh, point of view? No, actually, you know, you you nailed it. And uh, me and my friends, you know, of course, uh, we've been discussing world cricket and and especially World Cups in South Africa. I don't believe. I believe it 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 exists. But I think in this scenario, everybody's trying to paint them because no same men were part of the rotation. You know, whenever we talk about World Cup, most players don't play two World Cups, right? So my thing yeah. is, if it's choking, it's about a certain bowler, about a certain batsman, certain fielder, yes. But as a group or, you know, collection of guys over like, say, 16 years, no, same guys are not there. Just because they're wearing the same uniform, be it South Africa, or, and same thing used to be associated with Spain and football till they won the World Cup. I, I don't believe. I think these are good storylines we create. I think it exists for an individual, but it does, doesn't exist just over a team that's, you know, uh, basically has different individuals lacing up every time. Because then it becomes a good story. I, I don't think there's any connection, but yeah, uh, just relative to players, it does exist, but... Uh, to those scenarios, and that, and and most people don't remember that that uh, one ball twenty two run that wasn't choking, <laughs> but you Not know, sure. like no. you know, like sometimes people just add that into the folklore as well. So, mm. but yeah, carry on. That that that's. I mean, I should have put that uh, as part of my question. I just wanted to get your view. Uh, I think yeah, choking exists, but yeah, it's the whole idea of uh, a same club or same team choking over sixteen years. I think that's just a good story, but I don't see a connect there. Absolutely, as you're saying, none of these guys have choked. There's not one player here who has who has choked in a World Cup. In, in I mean, if we'll say that 99 was a choke, or uh, Sean Pollock's miscalculation in the rain when when Mark Boucher blocked the final delivery, thinking that the that that uh, the Duckworth Lewis had South Africa ahead when they hadn't. These these players weren't involved, and I think choking also comes with a level of expectation. I mean, a choke implies that a that that a team was fancied, and I think the fact that the, that this team 
isn't necessarily fancy. I mean, you, you can't look beyond India and England as the finalists. I mean, any, any final outside of England versus India will be a surprise. Australia are hitting form at just the right time. Um, West Indies, I, I, I think West Indies, New Zealand, even Pakistan maybe could, could squeeze into that final four. So, for, if so there isn't much expectation on this team. And I think Faf Duplessis is, is probably, probably t- telling his team, look, we're not favourites. But that allows us to be free from expectation and, 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 and therefore allows us to be free from the possibility of choking because anything, anything that exceeds our expectations, you know, is, is a bonus. And I, I just don't feel like, like this team is talking about choking. I just don't, I, I don't think this team is, is burdened by the weight of history that has come before them because they have no memories of what it means to choke. Yeah, quite well said. So let me ask you another question. A lot of... Uh boards in cricket have called back, especially the English players that go, have gone back from the IPL. What's the relation of South African cr- cricket to, you know, to this kind of a decision, you know, coming before the World Cup? I know those guys are going to play, as far as I know, there's no stipulation. But do you think that's a good move to let them play a full IPL? Or does it even matter because, you know, still, you know, 20 over cricket and, you know, they are getting matches? What's your take on, you know, these, this, this kind of decisions, you know, done differently by different boards? I think, I think it comes down to what 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 sort of practice is is the are, are the players going to be getting in the lead up to the to the World Cup? You know what what is, what is the IPL serving? I mean, yes, with they 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 could call them back and 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 send them down to Cape Town and and have a and and have a little a, a little training session. But Quinton Cock walking out in front of fifty thousand people in a higher pressure situation. I mean, there, there, there's no there's no substitute for that. That is. Uh, that is that is something that, that that you just can't replicate. So I think I think in that sense that that is giving them a lot of a lot of practice um, and, and 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 exposing them. I mean, cutting their teeth in, in such a high pressure environment. There's there, there's just no substitute for that. I understand why England are doing it. England have got a have got a couple of games against Ireland, I believe it is coming up soon, and and they are, they're obviously in the midst of their of their Royal London Cup, their 50 over cricket. So yeah, I've got no problem with with um, with no. certain players playing in the IPL. Sure, uh, no, that was uh, that was a quite uh, quite an assessment because I always wondered, you know, like uh, uh, why certain teams are doing certain uh, stipulations. Again, you know, no one has to follow the same template, but it's always fascinating because the World Cup starts same time for everyone. Uh, mm. So on that note, let's bring in A B De Villiers because uh, this was when we were prepping for the show. You and I talked about it, and you were free to go there. Uh, AB is a mm. phenomenon. I mean, an incredible player. Mm. I don't think we can add anything that hasn't been said. So when a guy yeah. like that is doing so well in the T20 league, is still looking very effortless, still you know changing games on a dime. Uh, of course, he's a little removed from his best, but his levels are so incredible. So as a South African fan, uh, not as a journalist, how disappointed mm. are you to not see him uh, available for selection for World Cup? Even though he made it clear a long time ago, but as a fan, how disappointed are you? And what's the narrative back home? When people see him hitting all these sixes, but he's not going to be part of the World Cup. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, as a as a, as a fan, incredibly disappointed. I mean, how you know how how would how would any fan feel about their their best player, possibly their best ever batsman? I know Colour scored more runs, but I've I've never seen a better batsman. You know, I've never I've never seen a player hit the ball so cleanly, so often at will, like Abe de Villiers. I mean, I, I was there when he when he when he scored that 149 against the West Indies off what was it, 30-odd balls or something something outrageous like that. I, I'd never seen such, such such batting in my life, and I don't think I ever will again. It's it's, it's hugely disappointing. On, on the one hand, speaking as a fan before a journalist, because my my uh, the, the two hats I wear change my opinion. As a journalist, I completely understand and I accept that he's made his decision. But as a fan, man, it's heartbreaking. It's so disappointing. I mean, who wouldn't want to see a... a uh, a World Cup with Abi Davidis. I mean, he he walks into any team in the world, even now. How old is he? He must be he's thirty. He's thirty five. He's just turned thirty five, and he, he's he's still one of the top three batsmen in the world. I'd say, um, yeah, just very disappointing. I mean, as a neutral, uh, do you find well, as a neutral, as an Indian fan, do you find yourself conflicted? I mean, obviously you'd love to see him, but I'm sure you wouldn't want to see him walking out against India. I mean, uh, look, I'm I'm a fan of the fan of the game, and uh, I'm I'm more a test test cricket fan. Not saying I'm more purist. I live in the states, so due to time zones, I don't follow cricket the way I used to. But you know, whenever India goes to shores like South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, I'm you know I, I've been watching cricket 
now it's available i would otherwise subscribe channels or you know paid subscriptions to watch those test matches late at night but ab is definitely mm. one of those guys that you know you're excited even if india's not involved you want to still see his score you know that's the mm. first thing you go cricking for crick buzz you see what the devilliers do uh, but yes. again from indian prism let me throw back to you because a lot of time india and some of my pakistani friends we always talk about our stars when they're in twilight like uh, i mentioned with amla and we say like even pakistani friends have talked about afridi going into overtime and not retiring and some of the indian names in the past have overstayed as well so that way we we kind of marvel at the de villiers or you know at, at a callis at, at a graham smith that when guys start making these these exits which are little premature by our standards and again i'm not mm. speaking for all indians but a lot of me and my indian friends have spoken at length and we always look at new zealand is another country where you know Shane Bourne of course he was injured he was gone McCallum was gone and a lot of times the subcontinent players play a little long again it, it it could be cultural why they play but so for me when mm. i look at ab i just marvel even if he's top 10 he's a delight he can he can mm. still walk into these uh, lineups but from a pure journalistic view and you follow cricket more than i watch now uh, you think mm. what a common man's eye is missing t20 still you know 20 overs and you know sometime you bat like you know two balls in field you know 18 19 overs you think that that's maybe a toll his body can't take when there's a 7 hour 50 over game or you think he's still good for that that's that's a key point that he probably is talking about mm, I, i that that's it's a good question i think he i mean i think he's fit enough to play 50 over cricket i, I don't i don't think that's um there, there's any doubt about that i just think he when he made his decision he he said that he wanted to spend more time with his family that he wanted to move distance himself from the from the pressures and expectations of of being an, an international cricketer i mean you could you could see after, after that last defeat against new zealand something had changed Some, something something tweaked in ab where where i just think he realized that this wasn't for him anymore for however he came to the decision he he had made that decision i mean he yes he's playing in the ipl and and yes he's going to be playing in the 100 here um next year but without the the rigors of international cricket he has spent a lot more time with his family i think he 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 spent something like three times as many days over the year with his family last year so i i i understand his decision but i don't necessarily agree with his timing i mean i would have i would have loved even from a journalistic point of view i i think i think abid videos could have could have left after the world cup and i think cricket south africa would have would have been accommodating i would love to know how how those negotiations took place um in the boardroom because maybe cricket south africa said that ab if you if you are going to play in the world cup you have to play x amount of games or you still have to play test cricket or you still you 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 still have to fulfill certain obligations as an international cricketer and maybe that turned ab off i, I i'm not sure but yeah, who, who, for whatever who, reason who knows yeah what kind of conversation because the famous story in tennis like uh, when i was very young and i'm sure you were young too beyond borg was driven off by tennis authorities he was burnt out and he wanted to play a very limited schedule and they wanted him to play, say like 25 events a year he said i'm gone and you know a lot of people say who close to tennis the the authorities regret that as one of the biggest decisions to lose him at 26 but uh, but you're yeah. right and uh, let's d- draw a quick comparison with dale stain because he's another legend and you know uh, one of the best men to you know pick up the red cherry you know and definitely for mm. south africa he's been very open about a world cup and he's had as a bowler has had to endure injuries to get here and and who who knows you know what his situation is going to be because he's just sustained a new injury so it's also i think individual choice because i would like to think bowlers go through a little more but again i could be very uh the grind is more for fast bowling but at the same time stain's been pretty vocal about this and he wants to play beyond the world cup but world cup was one of his goals to stay fit and come back and ab probably was more worn out so i guess it's different strokes for different folks i guess that's how it works sometimes mm. I, i mean dale stain you you see when he takes a wicket he, he the veins in his neck protrudes and he, and his eyes bulge and he and he screams and he shouts He's the sort of player who would who would walk over broken glass to 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 bowl one more ball as as a cricketer. He he's just he's just got that fire in him. He 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 runs at a different tempo to to other players. So I think you look at Dale Stane, you look at Abe de Villiers, both two figures in that defeat against New Zealand four years ago. I think the way that they both handled themselves afterwards i think speaks to their character and 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 that and that's not a slight on ab like i said ab's made his decision and and we accept it but 
Dale Stain, as you say, has come back from injury. He, he desperately wants to, to, to finish his career as South Africa's highest ever wicket-taker in, in Test cricket, which, which he achieved, and he, and, he, and he fought back from injury to do so. He would love to end on, a, on with a World Cup victory. And I think even if, even if South Africa don't win, I think he would regret not taking part while his body allows him. I mean, uh, Dale Stain is one of those players who, who won't leave when he should, probably. He, he'll, injury will end his career rather than Dale Stain riding off into the sunset the way other players have. He, he is someone who, who will just abs- bowl and bowl and bowl until his arm falls off his, his body. Hi, so uh, Dan, you touched upon something very, very interesting, which a lot of fans, especially in our space, we always discuss and have discussed, you know, and we'll probably be discussing no matter what sport it is. What is the right time to retire? What is your opinion? Because uh, we've talked about this in tennis, we've talked about this in basketball, we talked about even the great Tendulkar didn't escape this. So this is something Mm. that's paramount, you know, it never goes away. So what's your opinion in a team game? That's my argument. In a team game, uh, a legacy should not overcast the selector's mind if someone's you know mm. such a you know large figure but in individual sports say Nadal and Federer can play till they're 40 who cares because you know as long as they're good enough to maintain a certain ranking and for the business point of mm. view someone is throwing them a wild card it's okay they are not taking that spot that often but in a team game uh, what's your view on this let's wrap this show we have 90 seconds to so speak freely and then you know we can wrap the show on this topic okay I mean, the, the, the short answer, and it might be a bit of a cop-out, is the, the best time to retire is when it feels right. I think, I think that, 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 is, that, is the, that is probably the most pertinent. If you can look yourself in the mirror and say that I've got nothing more to give. But like you say, in a team sport, that, that's often not your choice. I mean, a lot of people have been saying Hashim Amle is being chosen be, because of sentiments, because, because of, of, of what a service, he's, a service he's been for South African cricket. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he should be, that he should be selected. Um, I think I think the right time to step away is is when you can no longer add value when you feel like your position in the side is is keeping a more deserving player in the team. But these are competitive people, right? So, you know, even even humble guys like Hashim Amla will is is a comp- highly competitive athlete at, at the elite level. So he'll be thinking, I still have a lot to offer. Otherwise, I would step down. So. It's such it's such a different it's it's such a difficult such a difficult question as you say it's such even Sachin Tendulkar didn't get it right and I mean if and and if he couldn't get it right then then who am you know how am I gonna 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 offer any sort of advice on on, how, on when these guys should retire? Actually, twenty more seconds. Same thing with Dhoni, what we spoke about in the show earlier. I mean, you know, he was polarizing the you know patience of Indian fans, and now a lot of his detractors are quiet because you know a recent memory always helps. He played that amazing innings, hit Umesh Yadav all over the park in a T20 game, and everybody's happy that he's the best man. And the same voices not too long ago were questioning why is he in the mix, why is he playing. But, you know, like you said, who are we to say? And a lot of times the script unfolds very differently for different folks. So I know we have covered quite a lot here in 53 minutes. This was very enjoyable for me. I hope I threw some good questions your way and hope to have you back on the show very soon. Absolutely. I had, I had a great time. Um, I ho- hope to be back soon. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, everyone, who is listening to these podcasts. We'll be back with the next new show next week. Bye for now.